Hello, this is Fred Callaghan and you are listening to the Fulham Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus Podcast. My name is J-Mac, your host. Spring is here and also in our step because this season is finally fussing over. Yes, like the one ring, the season of 2018-2019 can now melt in the fires of Mount Doom or in our case, drown in the deepest depths of the River Thames. Forget the result, forget managers for a few days, my friends, and relax, light the barbecues and live your lives until the window opens Thursday 6th of May and discover we've signed Glenn Murray on the free. But anyway, thank you very much to Fred Callahan for opening the show. Fred made 336 appearances for the club between 1964 right up until his retirement in 1974. The fullback born in Fulham remained with the Whites his whole career and saw it all. From great escapes, back-to-back relegations, promotion back to the second division, not to mention playing alongside some of Fulham's most iconic players. Fred still attends matches at the cottage and has remained a big part of our heritage. We are honoured to have him introduce the show Check out Danny's Q&A with Fred, looking back at all of the above and much more. Visit our website at fullandfocus.com. Fred Callahan, we salute you, sir. All right, I have two hobbits with me right now. I have Mr. McClare and Marty. Let's do this. Fulham. All right, guys, uh, now time for some Newcastle reaction. Thank you. That's in the bin. No more about that. So let's, I mean, we are not going to talk about the match because I cannot be bothered. So we'll talk about something else. We'll talk about maybe something slightly. We could talk a bit about the match, actually. We could maybe talk about Harvey Elliott really quickly. I'm just throwing my notes away. I didn't think that through. Um, Marty, how are you, mate? And what did you think of Harvey Elliott's appearance? He looked quite special for us. Yeah, uh, promising. Uh, you know, for the 15 minutes, I believe he came on for, he... Uh... He did a, a lot of nice little bit of runs and stuff, uh, some nice little short passes, you know, you know mm. kind of promising for the future, sort of something that something to be excited about while you've got the another player that possibly may be leaving who is one of our youngsters. We may have a potential new one in his place, possibly. So, you know, something to be excited about. Yeah. I mean, what would you say his position is, Marty? Would you say, it's, I mean, is it a, a centre mid or is it sort of, almost slightly more attacking than that it's it's hard to say because um at the moment uh um, the things he did i would say was more of an attacking sort of player interested to see how he integrated into scott park if we see him anymore of course of whereabouts he'll play him i mean we always thought ryan session was obviously a right back it was position he played and in the end he was better on the right side on the wing so yeah let's see what kind of position he adapts to he's only 16 so yeah, exa- exactly. Um, you know, Danny Danny Boy was saying to us he this did this amazing over overhead pass to Sessignon in the game and Sessignon unfortunately couldn't actually materialise from it. Uh Mr. Beclair, what are you what are your thoughts on Harvey Elliott's appearance? I mean it seems to be one of the only good things about the game. We'll talk as little about it as possible. Yeah, it's nice to see him get some time on the pitch at Craven Cottage, to be honest. He he had an appearance at, at Wolves last week, but I don't know if he even touched the ball at Wolves, but obviously there was a lot of 
a lot of hoo-ha about it because he became the, the youngest ever uh, Premier League player. Um, but yesterday, it was good to see him get a bit more time. And um, and yeah, he, he did well. And I, I think he'll feature for us next season as well, because we've, we've got a history mm. of, of trusting younger players who are, who are bought on um, and, and given a chance. They, they, they don't just get a chance. They they integrate into the team. Look at look at Sessegnon and um, people like, well, Matthew Briggs was, was the previous youngest, youngest ever Premier League player, wasn't he? Um, and he had a few yeah. games for us as well. So I, I think we'll see Harvey Elliott on the bench next season quite a bit. And, um, and potentially if we're winning games, then it'll be a good environment for him to come on and, um, and develop. Yeah, it's a big old potentially in capital letters there. Um, Marty, so on to you really quickly. I'm just interested in your thoughts on this. So we mentioned Ryan Sessegnon. I mean, it seems to be the general consensus now, judging by the way the players reacted when he was subbed off, that Sessegnon is pretty much gone. I mean, we're hearing rumours that it's pretty much an all but done deal. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think he's pretty much out of here? Yeah. It's always horrible to see a player go, you know, even mm. in the likes of Sean Davis when when he went to the exact same team that possibly Session will be going to, unfortunately. I mean, if you've been talking to many Tottenham fans via social media, you think the deal was done September last season or so on. <laughs> you know, what can we deny Ryan Session, you know, to advance his career? It would be nice for him to sort of maybe be known back if he does go to Tottenham. To be honest with you, Ryan Session hasn't exactly set the premiership alight, so I'm going to be intrigued to see how he does if he does go to Tottenham. Are they going to do the potential of um, buying him and then giving us back on loan, or will he be another Pat Roberts like going to Man City, who just, you know, <laughs> where's Pat Roberts now? I believe he's somewhere in uh, Belgium or Holland. I can't remember where he went. Did all right in Celtic, but I think you know. Anyone could do well at Selwick, including us three. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll be intrigued to see what's going to happen, really. It's a shame, but it definitely comes across that he that will be his last game in a Fulham shirt. Right. Um, Mr. McClare, what do you think? Do you think Cess, uh, I mean, if he were, the option was for a loan back, would you take it? Or do you think, actually, if you don't want to sort of develop a Spurs player now, even though Cess is originally one of our own? And do you think you'd be all right in the Celtic team? Um, I don't think I'd be all right in a Celtic team. I've got Toblerone feet. I think um, I think Sessegnon, I don't think it's that much of a foregone conclusion that he's off. Um, okay. I don't know. I, 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 I haven't seen any of the rumours apart from, you know, the obvious ones that are always there. I haven't seen any fresh rumours. But I, I can't see why he would want to go to Spurs at the moment at this time in his career because... He's just had a, a bang average to poor season in a in a poor Premier League team with us. And his stock isn't as high as it once was, certainly not this time last year. So who's going to part with a lot of money? I think he's he's got a, a year option on his contract as well, I believe. So, you know, it's effectively it's a two year contract he's got. And it's still going to take a lot of money for, for that to be broken. So... I don't know. I, I think he could go to Spurs and go and sit on their bench or maybe not even get on their bench. Or he could stay here and have another good season in the Championship, get his stock back up and then, you know, see where he is this time next year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't see the Spurs thing happening, but I'm really right. So who knows? <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, it's interesting because the thing is with Cesc, either if he does stay, he needs to sign a new contract because what I can imagine is the 
the lick clipping of Daniel Levy right now is probably he's I can't imagine him wanting to pay twenty five or the thirty million plus that everyone or every Fulham fan is expecting. Daniel Levy is a very shrewd businessman and he would love to just probably set him on to keep his contract going until we he could probably get him on a free. So who knows? I don't know what's gonna happen there. I mean maybe the rumors of Juventus might play along. I'm not sure. So, you know, Scott Parker was appointed officially the week just a few days before this game. Well like actually two days before this game. And we lose four nil. Um do you think there is any potential of an Ole Gunnar Solskjaer curse there, Marty? Or I've, you know, or is it just, you know, bad luck in this case? I don't know. Oh, God, I hope not. Um, okay, so I, I think it's safe to say in our the legendary WhatsApp full and focus group that it, it's been mixed feelings <laughs> on Scott Parker's, you know, yeah. hire. I think the easier thing option for Scott Parker to be uh, hired is due to that he's been with the team the whole season. So there's the kind of the players, you know, what players he wants to bring in, uh, who will need it to be brought in. Stuart Gray came back, you know, way that was good news. <laughs> Plus, I, I don't know. For me, it's it's very very difficult because I really don't want a Kit Simons situation happening again, and it really does feel like the Oli Gunnar Solskjaer effect with the game uh, yesterday. But I think it's a bit harsh because the thing you've got to say is. It's not Scott's team. So let's see what, you know, Mr. Khan does in regards into backing and who he retains. The thing that concerns me, and I think it's been pointed out many a times, is he's been outcoached in three games now by like uh, certain substitutions and formation changes. And we've seen Kit Simons get caught out on that. And um, mm. this is the problem when you bring in somebody who has no experience in regards to being a manager. So will he be here next season? I hope so. You know, let, let's let's see. I mean, at the end of the day, we have to support the manager, whomever it is. But luckily, it's not Neil Lennon. And yeah, it's, I can't even remember who the other guy was that we were linked to, but it's better Steve than Clark. those two. Uh, yeah, and obviously, I know a certain Hewton has been sort of, uh, you know, remo- no longer a Brighton manager. I would rather Parker than Hewton because his style of football is very, very dull. But we don't really know what Parker's style of football is. So... It's going to That's be interesting right. and fun, and a fun transfer window. Yay! So let's see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because you know Parker keeps saying recently in interviews and segments of you know text on the Twitter sphere that he's just saying how he wants to develop an identity and get and it, it all sounds kind of quite empty-ish words slightly because we know this we've been here before and we already had an identity only about you know less than a year ago with you know. 23 games undefeated so it's it is a tricky one at the moment and yeah Matt I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on the Chris Hewton situation already there are a lot of people today thinking oh we should have gone for him he's won the championship twice with two different teams or definitely got promoted uh, what are your thoughts I mean you'd still pick Scott Parker over Chris Hewton if that hypothetical imaginary situation existed yeah I'd, I'd pick I'd pick Parker I, I'm not a massive Chris Hewton fan I think um I think Brighton have made a mistake by letting him go though because you know mm. you, you you've seen it before with Charlton when when they stuck with Alan Kerbishley and then when they tried to move on to the next level and got rid of him they got relegated so I think Brighton will really struggle I'm glad Hewton won't be coming to Fulham I'm pleased that Scott Parker's got given the job I think he did enough in in the few games that he had to warrant being given an opportunity. He says all the right things. At times, we play some good football. We kept a couple of clean sheets along the way. 
and yeah, he, he deserved his shot. What? What? That's the other thing I was going to say was that I don't think this situation is comparable to the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer one because when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was caretaker manager at Manchester United, he was winning all the games. And then as soon as he got given the job, that's when things started to go slightly wrong for him. Um, but yeah. with Parker, he's just had, he's had a mixed bag, but we do look better. We do look more solid. And players are playing in, the, in their favoured positions. He's given people like Harvey Elliott a chance. And, you know, you go back to Ranieri when he was really messing around with the formation and, and the personnel he was using, as was Slab, actually. I don't think either of those managers ever worked out their best eleven. But Parker's come in and he said, I don't think Seri and, pa- uh, Seri and Kearney work together, so I'm not going to play them together. And if that means leaving out Seri, who's a £30 million player, then I'll just leave him out. And Kearney's been in the team. I don't know if Seri's been injured the last couple of games, but... I don't even think, was he on the bench yesterday? I don't think he was. I don't think so, he was, no. So I, I think, you know, he's he's more than, he's got a backbone and he will make these decisions and he won't try and accommodate everybody. And I like that about him. I think the style of football he'll play will be attacking. Um, and, and I think that uh, Parker and Tony Khan and the recruitment team at Fulham have got to work very closely together to make sure that they bring in players that fit the style of play that we're going to be playing under Parker, because we talked about it so many times on, on this podcast in, in the past where Ranieri was brought in and he was a name rather than somebody that was brought in to get the best out of the players that we had. And that's where that, that failed. So hopefully Khan, Tony Khan and, and his dad will learn from the mistakes this season <laughs> and we'll have a better, better, better season next season. Yeah, well, here's hoping. You know, and going to you know what Scott Parker's trying to do when maybe with the transfer window opening in a couple of days, a couple of well, about three or four days time, it will be interesting to see because even though we lost four nil, I'm I'm talking about the game. I said I wouldn't do it, but anyway, even though we lost four nil, I've heard that the score does flatter them. Um, unfortunately, I watched the highlights. I wasn't actually in town, but I've heard the scoreline does flatter them. Even though we, you know, we were absolutely toilet, I've heard. But the thing is, our possession is sixty-eight point one compared to their thirty-one point nine. Okay, that doesn't really matter much. But we had more shots, less on target. But you know, we had a huge accuracy in passing, um, attacking. I mean, we just got proper Rafa Benitez did um, in that game. I think it was just um, perfect. It was just a perfect yeah. result. It sums the season up perfectly. We conceded yeah. a lot of goals. We conceded some shit goals. Rico was back to his worst. And we just looked at a dog shit and we deserved everything we got yesterday, regardless of, of the possession and, and shots and whatnot. We just looked crap. And, yeah. well, and, that's it, it. and it's, it's a perfect way to sum up our season. But let's clear out clear out the loan players, clear out all the crap and, and let's get some new players in and try again next next season. Yeah, I mean, it's I've never felt happier actually that this season's over. And the four nil, I just I didn't I didn't care. As uh, we're, we're all so numb from this now anyway. Marty, do you think that this performance, uh, this not performance, but this result, could actually be a blessing in disguise in some ways for how we want to act with the transfer window being open and just make business a lot quicker than usual? Because the championship, believe it or not, even after one season of being there, is even more competitive than it was, and also just generally, you know. I mean, I've noticed that we've already extended some contracts from players uh, that was mentioned in the programme. But just what are your thoughts and actually the benefits that could get us to motivate ourselves to be quick in our next season? I don't know about you, but I mean, I I know the Premiership is the the top level that we got aimed for, but I absolutely love the Championship. I mean, even after we left, I was 
keeping a close eye on the championship. It's so competitive from top to bottom. The teams that go up from League One are fighting for their lives to stay up. The teams that have been relegated from the Premiership still got parachute payments coming through. So there's a lot of money in championship, a lot of yeah. good managers and a lot of good players. Uh, it's just, it's really difficult. I mean, a lot of people you see on social media will be like, oh, we've got people like Angui, so he's going to be great in the championship. We should do all right. For me, it's just like, let's just see how we start. I mean, you know, I, I believe Norwich started finished 14th i think last season and they finished top yes. so anyone yes. can win the championship that's that's the thing is it just depends how your team is set out sheffield united was always coming close they were knocking on the door they finished second and now you've got four teams now aston villa if they go up it would be an utter nightmare for all of us if they go up <laughs> be like look we're in there and we're out which this is why i just couldn't i would hate to see them going up but in regards to what you were talking about the the players you know I'm sure Scott Parker's probably said, look, this is what we need, right? We, these players do not play well. We need to strengthen in defense positions. You know, we need to have midfield, your strikers. This is your strike force. If it's true that Mitro's going, we've got Rui Font and AK-47 up front. Well, that's sure going to send fear into a lot of championship strikers, not basically. Sure. So I'm sure in some ways, as you say, I mean, it was perfectly put out by Matt there. Seri being left out of the team, he knows what needs to be sorted. You know, that's not have these sort of glamour signings. So he's probably saying, look, this guy's really good in the championship. This guy's proven he's not getting in the premiership team, but I think he'll be great. He'll be a great asset. It's a probably a blessing in disguise that we got absolutely ripped to shreds. I mean, he Matt was right. We were absolute pony. I mean, we really were, were kind of ready for... I don't know, almost like they were all doing late night feedings with Tom Kearney with the baby or something. I don't know what was going on. There was it just, <laughs> just seemed like they were ready to start their summer holidays thinking they were going to be off to Las Vegas like last time at the end of the championship season with Tony Khan. Um, yeah, as I say, it, it's going to be interesting to see we're going to have speculation, you know, we're going to have the, 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 you know, the agents are saying, oh, it's a close signing of someone coming in like the Diego Ruoland. The, the transfer window is the best and the worst. We're going to see some players that we just literally don't want to see go. And there are some players that you literally go, God, I would love to see him in there. And I really, really hope that Mr. Khan and the scouting team get this correct because he's never admitted he's put his hands up and said, oh, I got this wrong. We made a mistake. I spent too much money. He, he's basically still got the job. And I'm hoping it's his last chance to learn to make sure he gets it correct. And I don't think any of the fans will be forgiven for him if he doesn't get it right, or at least competitive in this tough championship league. Hmm. Uh, well, that's great. I, you know, Mr. Beclair, if I gave you just a sort of, if you're Tony Khan in this situation, just try and pretend. Uh, what If there was a player in the championship right now that you'd like to be your first signing for Fulham as a promotion push, who would you potentially like to sign or see in a Fulham shirt next season? Um, I quite like. I, I I think we could get um the guy from Brentford, Morpay. Uh, he's he's. Oh. Got, I think he's. I think he must have close to thirty goals this season. And if if you're just judging it, judging it on somebody who can put the ball in the back of the net, and I think there'd be a lot worse players. And I I think he'd come as well. Don't know how much money yeah. he costs. I don't know. No idea what his contract's like at Brentford or or anything, but. I think Fulham are obviously a much bigger club than Brentford and, and it would be a step up for him. So even if he did score that goal against us in, in injury time last season, that almost cost us 
very, very dearly. But yeah, I, I think he'd be a decent signing. Yeah, me too. Actually, I, I mean Brentford being a you know Fulham being a bit clever. Have you seen the skeleton of Brentford's new stadium coming up? That looks quite nice, doesn't it? Yeah, shit <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about uh, Riverside stuff a bit later, actually. But yeah, absolute shithole. Um, in my opinion, for who we should go for, made this known on the group anyway beforehand, but I think Nick Powell from Wigan would be an interesting signing. He got, he's, being, he's available on a free at the end of the season. And due to the fact that if Kearney was injured, we always suffer. And I think Powell would be able to actually potentially fill that role quite nicely. His goal ratio is fantastic for the position he is. I mean, I think he... Usually was a num- is a number ten. He certainly was for Crew Alexandra, and then that was just before Alex Ferguson picked him up with Wilfred Zaha. Then they basically let him back out again. Uh, Marty, a player you love the championship, a player that you would like if you were Tony Khan for next season, sir. Well, I'm I'm going to go in the uh, striker route. I mean, there's two strikers that have lit it up in the uh, championship. It's obviously if we can dig our hands in the wallet to put the put them up. One of them is Tammy Abrahams, absolutely tore us apart with <laughs> Bristol City, doing the business with uh, Aston Villa. For some reason, can't yeah. walk into a certain team he's with at the moment, so they're not giving him an opportunity. They're going to want yeah. some money, but will he want to go down? But we know that that level is good for him. And another player who got sent off unfairly for his second yellow card is the ever-linked every player, every time, every season, Dwight Gale. You know, two players. Mm-hmm. If we lose Mitro, we're going to get a substantial amount of money. Why not buy in two players who have two different contrasting styles who exactly. are guaranteed goals in the championship? You know, if the one thing we need to do in the championship is score goals. And you look at Norwich and all the teams that are at the top, their goal four radio is excellent. Now, I know defensively we're not good. And Rico sounds like by his tweet that he's on his way out. We probably may get bets back by then. So strengthen the defence. Make sure you've got a lot of firepower up front. And we definitely got creativity in midfield. Yeah, perfect, perfect. I'd still actually like uh, a Samba Longa in some ways. I mean, I've just had this image of a Samba Longa and AK up top and just absolute mountains. I guess your striking partnership would be pretty. Imagine having that uh, written but... on your shirt with AK-47. I know, right? I mean, that's the thing. But I, I mean, it would take a lot of, uh, it, I mean, a lot of kiss assing from AK forty seven to come back in that team for next season. But we'll see. Um, so, all right, good suggestions. Love that. So, what we'll do now is just quickly talk about. We mentioned the skeleton of Griffin Park and, like, you know, the new one that's coming up. We don't want to talk about Brentford. It's not Brentford, Chuck. But Riverside stuff. Um, Mr. McClare, were there notes in the program from Shahid Khan? Because there's been a lot of speculation. There's been a lot of worry, a lot of fear. We're going back to Loftus Road for a season. And uh, everyone's freaking out and saying stuff like, oh my God, if the Riverside goes down, where are we going to put the cameras? You know, I, what, what, are you, what did Mr. Khan say in his program notes? I mean, do you get the sense that actually we're not moving to Loftus Road and the Riverside is going ahead this uh, uh, this month or so? I, I, I don't think we're moving to Loftus Road. They, uh, the Supporters Trust had their AGM last week and I believe huh. that it was, it was talked about at that meeting and there was no mention of Loftus Road, but I think they were talking about moving the, uh, moving the dugouts uh, to the Johnny Haynes stand. So there'll have to be some reorganisation there because they'll have to potentially take some seats out to, to fit the dugouts in. 
or like or they all wear they all wear like crap you know uh, crash helmets or something yeah, <laughs> yeah. they have the tuck out on the side well if, if ak-47 comes back i think the people behind the goals are going to need them as well but anyway That's so right. um so I, I hadn't really thought about the, the whole dugout thing before but of course they're going to have to move because they're not going to just sit in the middle of a building site are they so that'd be weird seeing the see the players warming up on the other side of the pitch and, and having the dugouts there uh I think it's going ahead. Looking at um, looking at his notes, let's just see. Um, blah blah blah. As summer approaches, we'll soon be sharing the latest and more complete news on the Riverside Stand project. We've made excellent progress with stakeholders and on the various agreements necessary to begin what will be a moderate, moderately lengthy but most worthwhile project. My hope was to have more to offer you on the status of the project in these final programme notes of the year, but I'm electing to have a more complete report that we'll share on the official website at the appropriate time. Again, we're in a very good spot, but with more work to do. I, I think it will go ahead, to be honest. I think these okay. things are just taking time. It's quite complicated, isn't it? But people, people are, I understand people are anxious to get their, their season tickets renewed and whatnot, and those that didn't have season tickets want to buy one and they want to know where they stand. But you're just going to have to be patient. It'll all be done soon enough. Um, I, I know someone who uh, works in the hospitality of uh, the Fulham Riverside stand, uh, and she's been told mm. for the next two seasons that they've got to find a, a, a new hospitality venue. Uh, they were looking at one point at the Crabtree, but right. then obviously they've obviously decided not to do that because that, yeah, absolutely. I enjoy going there mm. myself. But I think obviously, let's say it's raining and you're like, well, let's go and enjoy the match day hospitality. And then you have to walk for 10 minutes in the pouring but they, rain. They, to be fair, Marty, sorry, sorry to jump in there. To be fair, they do do that already. There is a hospitality venue in Bishop's Park that they offer out and you know, you go and have, I don't know, meal, your meal and drinks in there and then you get you get seating in the Putney end, I think. So it's a bit strange, but they do already do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so the, the person I know, as I say, uh, I, I agree. I've, I've heard about that. Uh, it's just that they've been said that the next two seasons, uh, they won't be in the Riverside stand. So as far as I know, that person hasn't been told anything new or different in regards to what's happening, which... I guess it's reassuring in regards that there's something about to happen or going to happen. She hasn't been told to be given the hard helmet yet, so I guess that's a good sign as well. Yeah. I think I it's mean, just ma mass panic, isn't it? We haven't heard any news. It must be bad news. We must be leaving. And then all it takes yeah. is one person <laughs> to say that, and then it snowballs, and all of a sudden it's it's yeah. widely regarded Typical that we're going to be... Yeah, exactly. We're going to be leaving. Well, you know, we're all, we're all very fragile. We're all very fragile <laughs> after this season. We <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, going back to those program notes you were talking about, Frenchie, um, there were, also there's been some news with the contracts being extended for some certain players. I believe it's Johansson, it's Adoy, Cabano and Aite. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we talked about this the other week, didn't we? And said we wonder whether they, they would be extended, those those guys. But I'm glad for one that Johansson uh, is coming back and that's been invoked because I, I wondered whether whether he'd still be here and whether he'd want to still be here based on the fact that he's almost been frozen out for the whole of the season. Um, mm. Part of me thinks, I wonder whether it'll be the same again, you know, if you've got a midfield next season of, of Kearney, Johansson and maybe even McDonald, but if not, then Anguissa, then are we, are we chasing after what we had last season a little bit too much or will it still be as effective? Who knows? I, I can't answer my own question, but uh, I'm, I'm pleased they're all staying, to be honest. I think they're all solid championship players and we need the squad. And the last thing, if, we, if we've learned one thing from this season, it's we don't want to be 
shipping everybody out and starting again because That's we are right. shipping a lot. Of, we're, we're doing that already. There's a lot of loan players that are going back again. So we're going to be left with the bare bones. Plus, plus if people like Mitro and Cess maybe leave, if, if they do, then we're really going to be left with the bare bones. So I think it's important to keep the squad together as much as possible. That's right. And one of the lone players being Sergio Rico, one of your favourite people. Um, you know, I, I sort of admit, he, he's like a sort of emo version of Hugo Lloris, I was saying to you, either, isn't he? He's just got, like, he just looks like an angrier version, but like, or a more upset version anyway. Um, yeah, his PR stuff, I can't deal with it. Just the sort of the autograph thing and his own website thing. I just, it really bugs yeah. me. I don't know why. The watermark on his pictures is a... It's a little bit yeah. arts, isn't it? It's a you're, little bit, yeah. You're a footballer, <laughs> mate, and, and not a very good one. So, yeah. Well, uh, Marty, on to you, mate. Uh, what are your thoughts? Would you like to see Johansson back in the starting lineup next season? Bit of shithousery. Yeah, why not? You know, it worked before. Why not again? He's doing the exact same thing at West Brom uh, and picking up pins like he usually does. You're thinking yellow card. Johansson goes toe and toe basically. He did it. He did World it at the weekend, didn't he? He did it against. Was it? Yeah. Was, who, were they, who were they playing? Villa, and he went flying in on somebody. Knee height tackle. It's classic Stefan Johansson. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. and he definitely made the made uh, Grealish know that he was there as well. So yeah, you know, lightning strike twice. You know, he was having those sort of players in there to get us back into the promised lands. But I don't know. I mean, as I say, why not? You know, they are players at the end of the day, and they will do the job. Yeah. I mean, and just uh, let's get. Are we all united on the fact that we want West Brom to win the playoffs? Then I'll go to you first, Mister McLaren. On that. Yeah, they're they're the only team that I I don't dislike that are in the playoffs. So sure, I I don't, I don't really care. <laughs> Fair enough. Definitely not Derby. After you know we've we've got some history with Derby, Leeds. Just uh, nobody really likes Leeds except for Leeds and um, and Villa. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah, part of me would quite like to see Villa go to Wembley and then then screw it up again like last season, just because of the the idiots that we uh, we encountered from their support on Twitter in in the build up to the game and the um uh, you know in the That's and the whole club. ticket ticket thing. So yeah, well, but bottom line is I don't really care unless we're involved. No. Who cares really? No, fair enough, Marty. For you, is it West Brom for you as well, mate? Hundred percent West Brom. Um, I was yeah. So annoyed that they managed to throw a, a one nil lead and, and have like nil sent off for a second bookable offence. I'm not denying that the first was a bookable. I mean, he got away with a mark, but the second yellow wasn't deserved. Uh, I yeah. did put it on the, the WhatsApp group and you know Matt's put it as well. You know, Villa. I mean, if you can get to the again at Wembley Stadium because I mean he's he's part of it, which is uh, great, all for it. Um, but if they go up, we're never at the end of it. It's just been the worst ever. Uh, Leeds, yeah, they're a massive club and they don't deserve to be in the championship. And we hear it all the time. And at the end of the day, you're down there when you're down there. And and then you have a team that's uh, in there is Derby and you've got Frank Lampard with history there. And then there is history with Derby. I mean, I wasn't old enough to go to the that game with the Derby fans, but my dad has never forgotten that and has no uh, affection for Derby whatsoever. So, yeah, West Prom for me. Yeah, fair enough. I, I mean, you never know. Maybe, maybe uh, Dwight Gale's second yellow has actually sped up the process of us getting in touch with his agents, and maybe, maybe it's actually a blessing in disguise for all for them. But you know, I, I tell you what. Look, after looking at the playoffs, I'm just like, I don't want to come up this way again. There's so much glory in it, but by God, the stress of it. I just hopeful. I'd love to just do the top two for a change <laughs> in the next few seasons time hopefully all right, guys. Good little chat there. And now after this, we're going to move on to more serious matters. The quiz. 
Fulham. All right, and welcome back. Now it's time for the quiz. Now, my co-host here can get a total of 20 points, or if you're listening at home, you can get 30 points. Now, round one is head-to-head. We've paired up players from our last two relegation seasons. All you need to do is tell me who made more Premier League appearances in their sides. So the maximum any player could have made is 38 appearances. You have three options. Pick either player, or you can say they played the same amount if that's what you think. All right? So I'll go to you first, Mr. McClare. Would you like set one or set two? Set two. Set two. Nice. Okay. Who made more Premier League appearances out of these relegation players? Alfie Mawson or Johnny Heitinger? Uh, Heitinger. Unfortunately, Hon- uh, uh, Johnny Heitinger made less. He It was 14 to Alfie Mawson's 15 appearances. So it was very, very close. Yeah. All right. Never, next one. Would never have said Mawson had even made double figures this season, to be honest, but fair enough. Yeah, exactly. Kevin McDonald or Karagunis? Karagunis. Uh, Again, it was Kevin McDonald. Karagunis had 14 appearances and Kevin McDonald had 15 appearances. You've been absolutely played here. All right. Next yeah. one. Maxime Lamarchon versus Breda Hangeland. Hangeland. Hangelin made less appearances. He made 23 appearances and Maxime Lamarchon has made 26. Did I, did, I, did I say set two? I meant set one. No, it's too late. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's too late. Okay, so <laughs> uh, penultimate one for you. Ryan Sessegnon or Kasami? And uh, by the way, there is an option for you. Never mind. I've given it away. Yeah, I, th- I think they probably played the same, to be honest. Damn it! Yeah, it's, it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's 29 each. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's 29 each. Well done. Well done. I completely just gave gifted you that. All right. And the last one is, fuck's sake, Joe Bryan versus Kieran Richardson. Who had more appearances? Uh, Kieran Richardson. He did indeed. Kieran Richardson had 31 appearances and Joe Bryant has had 28 appearances. So that is two. Should be one, but it's two. And right, Marty, I'm going to go to you now, sir. So you have got set one and I'll go to you with the first one is Lewis Holtby versus Ryan Babel. Who made more? Uh, I'm going to say Lewis Holtby. Lewis Holtby had 13 to Ryan Babel's 16 appearances, I'm afraid. All right, next one is Andre Scherler versus Darren Bent. Uh, Andre Scherler. It is a tie. It is Andre Scherler, 24, and Darren Bent has 24, unfortunately, sir. All right, so Tom Kearney versus Scott Parker. Oh, my God. Mm. Uh, I'm going to say Tom Kearney. You are absolutely right. Tom Kearney has 31 appearances to Scott Parker's 29 appearances. All right. Alexander Mitrovic versus Steve Sidwell. Oh, jeez. I'm going to say Mitrovic. Mm, Incorrect, I'm afraid. Mitrovic, 37 appearances. Steve Sidwell, 38 appearances. God damn it. Danny's done a good job. Danny's done a really good job here. All right. Okay. uh, Last one. Cyrus Christie versus Sasha Retha. Sasha Retha. You are absolutely right. Sasha Reeve had 31 appearances to Cyrus Christie's 28. All right, guys, this is nice. So from that round, you all have two each. Excellent. So round two is back and forth. You have five guesses each. So here we go. Round two, back and forth. Fulham are relegated. 
I have been for several weeks now, which means it's old news. So what I want you to do is to name the top 10 oldest players to score for Fulham in the Premier League era. Okay? So I need you to name the top 10 oldest scorers for Fulham in the Premier League era. And I'll go to you first, Marty. Karagounis. Karagounis. Karagounis is second on the list. He is with 35 years of age, 313 days old. He is number second in the top 10. Very good. And to you, Mr. Beclair. All right, I'm going to say Brian McBride. Brian McBride. Brian McBride is number one on the list. 35 years and 319 days old. Very good. And back to you, Marty. Um, I'm going to say Berbatov. Berbatov is 10th on the list. You got it. Just 32 years old, 332 years, 336 days old. Very good. All right, and back to you, Mr. McClare. What about Ian Pearce? Ooh, Ian Pearce. Calling Ian Pearce. Ian Pearce is not on the list because Ian Pearce is number 11. You missed it by eight days. This is, That was close, but no cigar, I'm afraid. Ian Pearce was number 11. You missed it by eight. Eight, day, eight days younger than Dimitar Belbatov. All right, cool. And to you, Marty. Right. Uh, I'm going to think of another player. Uh, I'm going to say Hangeland. Hangeland is not on the list i'm afraid not even in the one the six after that so i'm afraid no points for you there marty and to you mr mcclatt i'm struggling to even think of anyone uh philippe christenval no idea how old he was (laughs) okay philippe christenval is not on the list either mr marty up to you um i can't remember i'm gonna go with hugo rodiega Hugo Rodiega. Hugo Rodiega is not in the top 10, I'm afraid. Sorry, Marty. And go back to you, Mr. McClare. Um, uh, uh, what about Montella? Montella, I'm afraid, is 12th on the list and not in the top 10 either. He is just after Ian Pierce. You're not close enough, I'm afraid, sir. Marty, next to you. This is your final guess. I'm going to go with Damien Duff. Damien Duff, calling Damien Duff. Damien Duff is fifth on the list. Exactly so. You get a point there. He is 33 years old and 205 days. Okay, and for you, Mr. McClare, final guess. Sidwell. Steve Sidwell, calling Steve Sidwell. Steve Sidwell is not on the list. So... Right, so Marty has got three in that round, and Beclair, you have got one. But I'll read out the other ones you could have got for that. So you could have got Danny Murphy, who was 34 years old and 309 days old, number three. Andy Cole, 33 years old, 213 days old, number four. 
And with number six, you could have got uh, Bjarni Goldbeck, 33 years and 199 days old. Number seven could have been Mark Pembridge, 33 years and 112 days old. Number eight, you could have had Scott Parker, 33 years and 74 days old. Number nine, you could have had Thomas Radzitski, uh, 33 years and 30 days old. And you got Dimitar Berbatov, who's number 10. And you could then had Eric Neverland after Montella. You could have had Brian Babel, Alexi Smertin, and Lee Clark. All right, guys, final round coming up now. And this is Guest the Player, the last round before we leave the show. Okay, so you know the rules. It's Guest the Player. I list out the facts to you. And one to two, you get five points. Three to four, you get four points. Five or six, three points, so on and so forth. Okay? You just call out when how you many, think you've got it. How many do I need? How many do I need to win? Exactly so. So you, at the moment, are on three points, and Marty is on five points. So it's okay. in your favor to actually go as early as you can. All right? So here we go. Yes, the player. Fact number one. This player played under four Fulham managers. Fact number two, he made 69 appearances in all competitions. 62 of them were starts. You are out of the five-point zone. Okay. Fact number three, he played in the top two divisions for Fulham. Fact number four, he signed for Fulham as a teenager. You're out of the four-point zone. Fact number five, he scored twice in a Fulham shirt, both times in the championship. Fact number six, he is a Premier League player. Okay, you are out of another zone here. Fact number seven, he is English. (laughs) Fact number eight, he turned 27 years old last week. Oh, guys, fact, fact number nine. It's actually quite well written, this one. Is that you, Marty? Yeah, it was. I'm, I'm going to pause you there. Fact number nine. This player is six foot seven tall. Ah. Oh. Okay, yeah. Fact number ten. You sure about this, Mike McClure? You may as well keep going. Yeah, he, I doesn't matter. Fact number 10. He isn't a right back and should never be played there. Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne. Cool. Take a bow. So, I think we're going to we'll leave it there. I think because no one really got that at all. So, like, the final scores for that are Marty has five points and Mr. Beclair has three points. Very good. And for Marty, for your prize, um, I have nothing on me at all. I have a copy of FIFA 16. You can have that and see what the following <laughs> squad's like from that if you want. You can just play on that whenever you fancy it. But yeah. Uh, Aces. Brilliant. Oh. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, mate. Alright, guys. Well, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you all for listening at home. We have a show up next week, which will be a season roundup. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us and please tell your friends about us. We're on Spotify, Apple iTunes, all that kind of thing. And Thank you very much for bearing with us through this horrible season. Thank God it's all over and we'll speak to you very soon over the summer with transfer speculation and more fun and games like that. But for now, come on you whites. Thank you very much. 